1: What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Adesanya versus Whitaker, guys. We knew going into this fight that Robert Whitaker was equipped with new skills, new and different skills in comparison to the first time he fought Adesanya, specifically the wrestling and grappling. His fight with Kelvin Gaston where he went for 4 takedowns and got 4 takedowns, which represented the first 4 takedowns he's ever attempted in his professional mixed martial arts career, and he's batting 100%. Keeping an opponent there is a total other skill. One is wrestling, that's the takedown part, grappling, that's the controlling, keeping them down. Maybe even finding a submission, but just having the opportunity and preserving the position that you've now earned, that's called grappling. So Whitaker made some massive gains. He not, he not only mastered a sport, he mastered two sports from the first time they fought. And that was our guess. We all predicted it. We also spoke about the fact that even if Whitaker has gotten better, has Whitaker improved more than Adesanya because it was such a deficit? The first fight was not competitive. Don't forget that Adesanya knocked Whittaker out at the seven minute mark, right, partway through the second round, but he knocked him out in the first round, too. He knocked him out twice in one fight. It wasn't close, so did these new gains enough to close the gap and maybe even surpass? I realize I'm repeating what we already know, but we forget so quickly. And it's important to remember this was the narrative going in because there was one more piece to that. The one more piece was, even though we could clearly see, as fight fans and experts, That what we just talked about, the grappling and the improvement is true. Does Whitaker believe it? That's where the real problem is. That could be true or false. It's whatever the athlete thinks it is. And Whitaker is not a brash guy. And because of his humbleness, I, I think you guys were with me, but I'll I'll take this one. I interpreted and equated that to be no. He wasn't confident. No, he didn't really want to be there. No, he doesn't know that he's better now. No, Robert Whittaker isn't sure that his wrestling will work on somebody that was as good and pulled away from him as quickly and as as far as Adesanya. Okay, that's what this was about, though. Going into this fight, that's what this is about. And the first round looked about the same as their first fight's first round. In terms of Adesanya connecting, in terms of Whittaker being a little bit hesitant, in terms of Adesanya getting him and putting him down... The difference was how quickly uh, Whitaker got back up. And when you're having rematches, there are some things that will repeat themselves. Understand this. If you're in a rematch and you won the first contest, it is of utmost importance that you make first contact in the second fight. That any insecurities that your opponent has, you must reassure him that he is right to doubt himself. You must reassure him with first contact and remind him who the boss here is, and that's what Adesanya did. Generally speaking, if you see a rematch in part 2, if the guy who won the first match wins the first round of part 2, he will win the entire contest. I will say that as far as I don't think you could preside an example for me where that isn't 100% true. So it's a very big deal because Whitaker popped right back up, and all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, Rob, that was your way out. You don't want to be in here with Adesanya. You put this fight off. You had, you had him fight two other guys. You fought three other guys. You don't want to do this. That was your chance to get out, and he didn't take it. He popped back up to his feet. And that was the moment when the whole building, all of us smart marks, sit back and go, oh, wait a minute. Robert Whitaker's here to fight tonight. Okay, boom. Fast forward to round two. That's when Whitaker gets the big takedown. Now, rounds three, four, and five were all the same, which is Izzy landed a whole bunch of kicks, Izzy walked Whitaker down, Whitaker did a good job firing back, he only used a lead hand, he never threw his power hand. And I even said that, I was watching it with Anthony Smith, I said, Anthony, does Whitaker? know he's got two hands? And Anthony said, chill, I think you missed it early in this fight, he threw the right, he got countered, he tried it again, he got countered again, he's purposely only going with a jab. Okay. I did miss that, but I'm in. Whitaker is controlling the hands, only slightly, but he is. He is knocking Adesanya's head back more and he's landing more. Adesanya is very much controlling the kick game. Now you get the takedowns. How do you want to score those? I don't have the answer to that. As a wrestler, I want a takedown to be worth something, but it's not. And I don't argue that it should be. I just want for it to be. The other side of that is when you say a takedown, it's very important that you finish that thought. If you were talking just literally a takedown, I I don't know if that's worth anything. Nothing, perhaps. How long did you use that position? Did you hold him down and control him against his will for 30 seconds? Did you get him down and you landed some shots as he scrambled back up? I'll listen to anything, but if you stop the thought with takedown, what is that worth? And that's really what was on display in this fight. I thought when the night was over, Robert Robert Whitaker was going to be the world champion. I was sitting with a group of people who unanimously thought Robert Whitaker was going to be the world champion. When the announcement came in, and it wasn't even a split decision, it was a lopsided beating for Adesanya to the point that one judge even had it four rounds to one, the place booed. 15,000 people were booing. I will share with you with those boos, though, nobody thought that this was robbery. And I don't want you to misinterpret my words either. I thought Whitaker won. I'm not bullish on that. I'm not certain of that. And that wasn't a robbery. It was that close of a fight is the point I'm trying to make. So as we work backwards, now that we have the final answer, 15,000 people who have skin in the game in the terms of they've given up four hours of their time and purchased a ticket, they know the sport well enough, came to the same conclusion that Whitaker won the fight. I want to know what you guys think. Because I do think that you guys will agree with me. A lot of you are going to think Whitaker won the fight. A lot of you are going to think Adesanya won the fight. But I don't think any of us thinks there was a bad job there. It was just a really close fight. And there's an opportunity to learn something here. And I think what we're going to learn, like it or not, I think that we have our answer in terms of what is a takedown worth? If we're being literal and just the takedown, no control, no time on the mat, no strikes landed, what is that takedown worth? Damn near nothing is what it was scored as. Was that right? I'm asking the question because watching this fight really reminded me of Usman-Covington part 2, where the one thing we knew for sure at the end of the night is Dana White has found the right two guys. They figured out the order amongst themselves. And you got, right, Kamara grabs it and Colby goes number two. But how can Colby ever get back to that spot? He has now shown the whole world without question. He is the second best guy, but how does he even get back to that spot? Because he can't. Where's the motivation going to be? The reason I bring that in, Whitaker for sure is the next best thing. As a matter of fact, I don't think anyone's going to argue with that, but before anybody even tries, as a matter of fact, the new number one contender in Cannoneer just lost to Whitaker. So we know for sure Whitaker's the guy, but if Whitaker can't return, what does Whitaker do? I mean, anything in life, guys, we know this, what goes up must come down. Robert Whittaker just fought for a world championship in a sold-out main event on pay-per-view. His next fight will not be that. The world championship won't be there. Will it be a main event? Will it be on pay-per-view? There's all these other questions. But as soon as you remove one of those things, now you're gonna wonder what's what's his motivation. He's a fighter. He wants to get up. He wants to get back on top. As of right now, Whittaker's saying all the right stuff. I think Whittaker surprised himself. I think that Whittaker was surprised at how well he performed. But the other side of that, if these guys were to rematch, Adesanya now knows, okay, this is, you've got better in these areas, right? Adesanya's a real smart guy, too. Either way, to get back to that point, what needs to be done? And if you find out you can't get back to that point, look, I have the same answer every time. Every time we get in a position like this, where a former champion and or a number one contender can no longer get back to that opportunity, I have the same suggestion every time, and I've got it right now, which is the change of weight classes. I've never seen anything in this sport get you a fresh coat of paint faster than if Whitaker was to drop to 170 or to bounce up to 205 pounds. My prediction? He does neither. My suggestion? He give a good look at a new division. Canon and Aaron Brunson, um, hmm, where do you want to start, guys, because breaking down the fight I don't think is the most exciting thing. I think, what did this fight represent and what was on the line? And this was really for nobody to say. Derek and Jared had agreed with each other that this is the number one contenders match. We the audience were forced into that because there wasn't another option. You'd have to go to Sean Strickland, but Sean's ranked like number six, that's a big ways down from two and three going at it. Sean didn't get the final word. And when Sean did have the platform, he didn't really go after Adesanya, not much. He was pretty open that, hey, I'll fight whoever next, and hopefully the guy's got a championship, meaning it could be Whitaker, it could be this guy, it could be—he he was he was a little bit open. Wasn't real clear. Whereas Brunson, Cannoneer, had this narrative, they created it, but they ran with it, and when you're the only ones doing that, it puts you in a pretty good position. The media picked up on it. Dana did not sign off. I believe the number one reason for that is Adesanya needed to have his say. And Adesanya always does a great job— As soon as one job ends, he set up tomorrow's work. So we knew at home, we will find out tonight who's next at middleweight. But we're going to find out the last thing of the evening when Izzy tells us. And if Izzy's not the one telling us, it means Whitaker won, which means Izzy is next, and we don't need to even ask the question. Now, I say that because it is playing out exactly as everybody thought. Izzy said cannoneer. Dana leaned towards Cannoneer. Cannoneer stepped forward, but what happened in that fight? It was Wednesday of last week. I was speaking to my producer about that fight. Now, I knew they were fighting. I knew that Brunson and Cannoneer were fighting. I did not know they were fighting Saturday. On Wednesday of last week, I was asked to do a piece on this and speak to it, and I had to challenge my producer, who went to something called The Internet. He had to search, and he also lives in the same business. He did not know off the top of his head that they were fighting on Saturday. That is a huge problem, and I don't accept responsibility for it. If you have a fight coming up, and I don't know who, what, when, why, and where, you have done something wrong. I do think that's relevant. If you're going to build a main event, you're going to put against who is he who's claiming to be the highest paid guy in the UFC. Second, of course, to McGregor. If that's true, he's going to need somebody to meet him halfway. And Jared is not the guy. However, Jared chucks a lot of other boxes, and this is the one where we're at. So let's take a little bit of a look at Cannoneer, at Derek, and see what happened. Because it was much like what happened with Derek Lewis. When Derek threw everything but the kitchen sink at Tai Tiavasa, and Tai Tiavasa took it. That's what happened to Brunson. Brunson did everything right, he looked beautiful in the first round, then he even got to the back, he tried to finish it, time runs out, he goes, oh my goodness, I gotta go to the next round. And it just looked as though Derek checked out mentally. Many people said Derek looked tired. I can't tell you that he wasn't tired, but I also can't tell you that he was, I don't know. Derek Lewis can push five minutes, no problem. He's pushed five rounds, no problem. So I have a hard time believing just on the numbers that after five minutes, he was tired. However, if you have an adrenaline dump, it's a totally different thing. Doesn't matter how many sprints you got in. not matter how many times you jump rope, how many early mornings you were you, you climbing stairs. If you have an adrenaline dump, you now have something else working against you. I, I didn't see that he was tired. A lot of people did. But I could see that he checked out. I could see that mentally he didn't like that there was potentially 10 minutes left. I've seen Derek Brunson be able to take the kinds of shots that he sold last night. It looked like I've had enough for whatever reason. The lights get bright, a number one contendership potentially, things get on the line. I don't think it was Derek's best performance and I don't say that to put him down, I say that to kind of cover for him. I think that Derek is a lot better than that and I think that Derek was very dominant in the first round against the guy who is now 1-1 away from having the belt. I think that Brunson has really proved that he is upper echelon. Even if it didn't end well, there was five minutes that were dominated by him against a guy who only has to beat one other guy to have the world champion. Tarek Brunson's very good. Cannonier did everything right. Cannonier for the first time ever, spoke up at the end of a night. When that fight ended, I don't think anyone's looking around going, okay, there's your number one contender. We're going to package this guy and we're going to put him with Adesanya, yeah, good luck. And then he grabbed the microphone. And he brought the building down and he had Houston cheering his name and he went to Dana White directly and he tried to get a confirmation. He showed us the audience at home that he wants it and we need to know that a guy wants it. When you say you don't care who you're going to fight, I know that your message is, I'm a badass and I'll fight anybody, but it's not what you said. You said you don't care. If you don't care, we don't care. If you don't care who the number one contender is, whether it's you or not, then we don't care if it's you or not. We're not going to care more about you and your well-being than you do. We're going to care less, which means you got to care the most. And you got to show us it matters, and that's what he did. Canadier showed us it matters. And then all of a sudden, when Canonier was done talking, you start thinking back and going, well, I don't know if he got dominated in the first round. Instead of me leaving tonight knowing the one and only round that was completed, this guy got his ass kicked. Instead of me leaving with that, all of a sudden I'm going, no, 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 he came back. He had a heart of a champion. He dealt with adversity. It's the same thing. We're saying the same thing. We saw the same way. But what opinion do we leave with? We left that fight when it ended, thinking, "Oh my goodness, he's not the number one contender." Where's Sean Strickland right now? Within two minutes, he let us know how much it mattered. He yelled for Dana White. He yelled his name a, he yelled his name a third time. He said, "It's me. It's only me." And he makes a good argument. There was nobody ranked higher. There's nobody that's got a feature match coming up that could possibly affect where this is going to go, and ultimately he got the mandate by Adesanya, who has a history of picking his own opponents. And what a difference a day makes. I just want, I just want Jared to have learned something. Jared is tough as an old leather boot, and his story is awesome, and his dedication and the road that he went to get to where he's now at, just come out and tell it. Make sure people are aware. Derek doesn't as flashy as Izzy, and Derek, I apologize, Jared, he doesn't have these takedowns that's going to, you know, be right in line with the blueprint to win a moment or two against Adesanya, but he's got a hell of a chin, he got a hell of a gas tank, and he's got one opportunity to see a dream come true. That's the story, that's the only story. Now, Jared, you go out there, you do your job, and tell it. guy that I like to listen to, I'm very familiar with him, comes out on the internet, he works over at ESPN, his name's Chael Sonnen. And Chael Sonnen said, a few days ago, he said, Ty 2 Voss is a tough guy, Chael compared him to DL Tank Abbott, and that he's a street fighter, he's a brawler, he's got the right mind, he's got bad intentions, he's got power in his hands, but he didn't have a belt. And when I know about Tai Tuvasa didn't have a belt, he doesn't have a belt in Taekwondo, he doesn't have it in karate, he doesn't have it in Kung Fu, he doesn't have it in Jiu-Jitsu, he does not know what in the hell he's doing. He's going to be a handful for anybody because he likes this line of work. He's going to be a handful of anybody because, because he's short to the mat, he's hard to get under if you want to grapple with him. He's going to put these right on your head and he can take a hell of a shot, but he's not very good. That statement must be amended. Ty Vasa, words I never thought I would speak, is now the number three wanked heavyweight in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Ty Tiavasa, I'm not having the same conversation just if Ty goes out there and beats Derek. That was a slugfest. We knew it from Jump Street. The matchmakers threw us one so that we could have a good time, and they succeeded. We had a hell of a good time. But I'm not having this conversation. What I needed to see was Ty Tia thrown down to the mat like a sack of potatoes, Turn over, find an underhook, and stand back up. That is what I needed to see. That is more skill than Tai Tiavasa has ever shown. And if you think I'm insulting him, guys, you're hearing me wrong. I am praising him. But this was a very rough guy that doesn't even, I don't even think he's a fan of the sport. If I'm not fighting, guys, I'm watching. If I'm not watching, I'm discussing. I love the sport. I'm not sure Tiavasa, if he's at home, is watching mixed martial arts on television. He said something close to that at the post-fight press conference. They said, well, Ty, you just took out the number three guy in the world. You're on a five-fight win streak all by finish. You're probably going to be the number three guy in the world, which puts you in that upper echelon, meaning you're fighting guys one through five. Who do you want to fight next? And he said, I don't even know who's in the top five. That was his response. First off, I love that response. I loved it. Nobody, nobody ever knows who's in the top five unless it's you. Nobody even knows what those rankings are. I bring that to you because for Tia Vassa to say that answer generally is the thing that w- would piss me off. How have you not studied this? How are you sandhagging in your own career? And how do you not have a name that you could call out? But it was the authenticness that he wasn't working. He wasn't looking for attention. He wasn't trying to have a good line. He was just shooting straight. And he, I don't know who the top five are. Bring me anybody. I'm ready to get down with anyone. Normally an answer that would drive me insane. I liked it from him. There was something real and authentic about it. But we can have the same talk about Tai Vasa in the fact of recognizing his popularity. Uh, the shoeie's a real thing. He's got a gimmick. And we got a lot of things that we could do to be having positive conversations on Tai Vasa. to say that he is one win away from fighting for a championship, which he is. None of you predicted that. I did not predict that. And there is a question of how and why. How did he get this good? Why are we seeing such changes in him? We've got a pretty good answer. He was under, his words, a lot of restrictions at home, as well as distractions. So he packs up and he goes to the UAE. He's got a a new gym and a new facility. My goodness, it was gorgeous. They they took their uh, countdown show there. Like, he's outside on a rooftop, lifting weights in the sunshine. I mean, it was just a dream gym. It was gorgeous. But he went over there with his brother-in-law. He's buckled down. He's listening to the coaches, clearly. He doesn't have the restrictions, meaning he can get a couple workouts in a day. He doesn't have the distractions, meaning he's not going out to the bar with his, with his buddies afterwards. Real straightforward, real simple. But we can also identify specifically what he did. And he must be a sponge. He must be a very curious guy who truly wants to get better. And this is with coaches and teammates that he was not familiar with. Which meant no matter what he was doing or what he was saying, he could not fully trust those guys. He wants to, but he can't now that he sees that they're right, now that he sees he's in the right hands, now that he sees that his coaches and trainers know exactly what they're talking about as it pertains to him, guys, he's going to get better. And what I saw, okay, I got to run back everything I said, but he did not know what the hell he's doing. He does know what he's doing. The fact that he scrambled, the way he defended that guillotine, the way he went for one himself, he was taking shots to the head. The Black Beast was hitting him as hard as he could, two perfectly clean, four in total, and Tia Vasa turned face him and started firing back. That is what won the fight. Many of you are saying that that elbow didn't look like it knocked Derek out. Yeah, the elbow didn't knock Derek out. Fine. This just happened in a more recent example to Amanda Nunes. One thing that will happen in a fight, okay? If you give your opponent your best and he's still standing, that will affect you mentally in ways that's very hard to reset. That's all that happened with Amanda and Jules. Amanda landed the same power that put everybody else down. You guys might remember another example. Do you remember Connor versus Nate Diaz, part one? And Connor was the only athlete to actually admit it and talk about it, which is why Connor was able to correct it and change it for part two. But Connor said, I hit him with shots that have put every other opponent down. He didn't go down. Connor admitted that drained him, that sucked energy out. It's not physically more power. There's a mental side to uh, preserving your cardio abilities as well that gets a hole put right in the tank as soon as you give your best to somebody and they take a step forward as opposed to falling backwards that's what happened Derek unloaded the guy's still standing there Derek starts doing the math i got 10 or 11 minutes left this guy ain't going anywhere and i'm getting a little low on energy so referee doesn't get you out of there your cornerman doesn't do your job give me a shot that looks real i'll take it from here what do you do with ty now I mean that conversation is very different. You could do about anything you wanted with Tai Vasa except put him in there with Curtis Blades. The only thing I can tell you for sure will not be next for Tai Tiavosa is Curtis Blades. Everything else is on the table. You can sell as rough and green as Tai is. You can sell that power and chin against Gone right now. You could sell it you have to work a little bit. You could sell that chin and power and ability to brawl against Francis Ngannou right now. You could not put Tai with John Jones, nor would you want to. The Stepe fight, a little bit harder sell. I mean, it, it, right? Think they need a little bit of work, but you got to get somebody in there. You got to find somebody to come out and do it. And I do give Derek a lot of credit here because one thing that we have in the heavyweight class is we had four stars. We had four stars and allegedly soon we're going to have John Jones. And then you have the rest of the field. And there was very big gaps. And it's hard to get one of those stars to sign in, sign on, with one of the boys. And that's what Derek did. Derek took a big risk. Got up in the loft, left the ladder down. Now somebody else has climbed up. Derek's gonna be just fine. Fighting Derek Lewis, coming off a loss, bad idea. Not great. Sometimes you gotta do it. Derek's gonna be fine. Derek looked fine last night, but he ran into a guy that had a good performance. He had a guy that possibly overperformed. And tie Tia Vasa to get that much better between fights. Just because he got a new new camp, new training partners, but now he can believe him. Now we can trust him. Now we can see what his potential because he's still green, guys. He's still raw. Right? You take these great fighters, take John Jones just by example. John's not gonna come out and be a lot better, doesn't have a lot more to go. Tia Vasa's still a blue belt in everything but he's a brawler with some heart and he's getting better. I think it's a very exciting day. I think the heavyweight division needed rejuvenized. They still need three, four, five guys to step up, but the first two step forward into breaking this upper echelon of stardom, now ranked number three in the world. His name's Ty Tiavasa. guys let's play a game what the hell do you do at heavyweight all the way through give me give me the whole top thing who are you gonna match everybody up with anybody anyone who's heavyweight whose name you know off the top of your head give me an opponent for him pretty sure everybody's moving the direction of an interim championship and maybe it's undisputed right i mean if, if you've got an interim francis's belt maybe you just take the whole damn thing back i don't know we'll see how that goes Stipe versus John Jones. Can we all agree? That's the fight we want. Those are the two guys that need to fight. Surreal gone is radio silent. I could beg, sir, I don't know Surreal. I could get to him. Surreal couldn't do anything worse in his career than he's doing right now. That's between Surreal and his managers who are asleep on the job. But because of that, I don't feel that it's our job to come out and help him. We've carried him to main events. We carried him to a world title fight. We carried him through a world title fight. He didn't help us back. It's got to be a two-way street. Surreal Gone has not said anything since his fight. The night of the fight, and only because somebody stuck a microphone in his ass, he did say, I would like to rematch Francis. He didn't demand it. He didn't make it interesting. He didn't tell us why he wanted to do any of those things. And he has said nothing since. He all but doesn't matter, in fairness. And he is not even in the discussion to fight for a title. He just recently had the belt. And any parallel universe, he of course is going to be the guy in the interim championship, considering he just was. Unless you bury your head in the stand and do what he did, and that's what he chose to do. So let's move him aside, right? I'm put a lot of guys here. I got this I gotta move Surreal out of the way. Francis, I apologize. Stipe versus John Jones, and Dana even got asked about it. Dana wasn't real, real committed to it, but he did respond. Somebody teed him up with a question. I think there was more words within the question than there was within Dana's response, but it was a body language issue. It was an affirmative. There was nothing that was committed, but yes, Dana has heard that that's the direction they're going, and he didn't say anything to stand in the way of it. Okay, great. What do you want to do with Derek Lewis? Here's what I don't want to happen to Derek. Here's what I've seen happen before. I don't like it. I don't think it's fair. Fair has next to nothing to do with the way we will conduct ourselves in this sport. I'm aware, but I don't know a better word to use. Here's what Derek did, and make sure you understand. Derek is in the upper echelons of heavyweights, ranked number three in the world. This is a main eventer. This guy's no less than a co main event. I cannot remember the last time Derek Lewis had a fight that was not a main event. And the one that comes to mind, which just happened, he was a co main event. And that goes all the way back to him headlining Madison Square Garden that was absolutely sold out when he went in there against Daniel Cormier, and that was years and years ago. Derrick Lewis is a big deal. And Derrick Lewis was the only heavyweight of recent memory to leave the ladder down once he got in the loft and let somebody else climb up. The top five guys at heavyweight only fight top five guys at heavyweight. John Jones has chosen to fight absolutely nobody. And we're all in agreement that he should walk right in and fight for the championship. I am too. But if we're going to give a guy who's never done the weight class, who took his ball and went home an opportunity, but we're going to punish the guy that not only went out there and did it, he allowed somebody that wasn't in that upper echelon a chance to show where they stand. That's a nice move. I watched in more recent memory, or in equal recent memory, Tony Ferguson did it. Tony Ferguson is the one who created... Charles Oliveira to main event and title contender status. And Tony seems to be pushed away. I don't agree with that. Tony's as good as he ever was. It just turns out Oliveira's better than we knew he was. That's all that got proven. Derek looked just fine. Derek was kicking Ty's ass. Ty's ranked number three in the world and we all want to see him. We're all telling him, great job, myself included. Well, up until he was, uh, won the fight with that elbow, he was losing the entire fight. And the guy that was beating him was Derek. Can't just dismiss Derek, guys. We can't let that happen. But Derek has a job right now, too. He needs to find himself an opponent, and he needs to do it fast. Marketing 101. Define yourself before your enemies do it for you. Now, Tai Tiavasa. What do you do? Tai Tiavasa is very confusing. This guy is wildly popular. This guy had Houston doing shoeys, on their feet and cheering him after he beat their guy. This was a rocky moment. This was unbelievable. The way Ty flipped the hometown crowd. It was unbelievable. He walked out to twice the noise that he walked into, and they were loud when he came in. They were a lot louder for Derek. Ty flipped him. This guy is so popular. I saw him at T-Mobile as well. His last fight, knockout, doing the shoot, that place went crazy. So we see what we have in Ty, which is we have a monetizable star who's not very good. If we'd be real fair, we're seeing his skills growing and we're seeing a potential here that we didn't know existed. To see Ty get thrown down like a bag of dirt, but then get an underhook scramble, come back to his feet. To see Ty getting teed off on by the Black Beast, the number one knockout artist in heavyweight history, and tur- hands down, he's getting hit. His hands are busy. He's trying to stand and turns around and answers with a straight left down the middle. Wobbles him, turns him, clinches him, breaks free, lands an elbow, wins the fight. It was amazing, but we still understand there's potential here. There's something special. Something is happening. He needs more time. He needs more time in the room. We can't give him a lot of time because now he's ranked number three in the world. Unless we go grab a number six, number seven, and just say, well, everybody else was busy. It's going to be tough to try to explain it, but that's still what needs to happen. Ty Tiavosa versus Andre Orlovsky makes a lot of sense. It solves a lot of problems. We need to buy Ty some time. He's shown what he can do, but he's also making it crystal clear that he's got an open mind, he's working his ass off, and he's getting better. There's potential there. But he is the most limited, third-ranked fighter in the sport today. Anybody disagree? That didn't sound that nice, did it? But it was meant to be because there's something special there. It's just not out yet. So you got to buy him a little bit of time. Now, the other side of the coin, I could sell to you guys. I could convince you and have you interested, part with your time and your money, to see Tiavasa versus Francis. That's not where we're going. I'm trying to prove a point here. But because of the way they fight, because of Tiavasa showing us his power, his willingness, and his toughness, he can take a shot. He can take a shot and he can give a shot. Just because of that, matched up with Francis and the way that Francis fights, that would work. I would have a harder time believe it or not, convincing you to be excited to watch Tia Vasa versus Surreal. Surreal is just a little too technical. Be a little bit harder sell. it still be on the feet. You'd have the puncher's chance. You'd be excited. That match works harder, though. I would have next to no luck in convincing you Ty's going to fight John Jones or Ty's going to fight Stipe, and that rounds out the top five. So it's a tough spot, and it has to be done just right. And maybe if we can't figure out who T Tevas is going to fight next, maybe we should just eliminate who he's not going to fight. Okay, he's not going to fight John. He's not going to fight Stipe. It doesn't sound like a problem because they're going to be in there with each other. Surreal's got his head in the sand thinking we're all going to carry him and pretty soon we're going to get pissed off and we're not. So he doesn't matter as of right now. Francis has made it very clear his oars are out of the water having the knee surgery. So your options start to be a little bit more limited. We can't put him in there with any of the guys that I just named and we can't put him in there with Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades is too damn good and for some reason not over with the audience. I have never understood what Curtis Blades did to any of you, in all fairness, and I've asked you many times. He seems like the kind of guy you get behind. He's a handsome guy. He's an exciting guy. He's getting better. He's hungry. He fought Francis not once but twice at a time when nobody wanted to fight him. He's a willing guy. He's very good at the sport. Something, there's a disconnect. And you can't take a guy as good as Curtis, who's as unpopular and put him with a guy as bad as Tiavasa, who's over. Just can't do it. So I'm eliminating some players. I, I don't know what you guys are going to say about my Andre Orlovsky idea. But if Tiavasa and Andre don't get together, then we got to get, get Andre and Derek Lewis together. I do think that Andre is the common denominator between those two guys. I think matching Tiavasa right now is very tricky. If you're going to overthink it the way I am. If we're just going to throw a name and go, okay, you're top three, who's available? Okay, great. But there's something special happening there, and I don't think it should be done that way. Tia is going to gain from this victory over the Beast. Because he's now showing some skills with new coaches and and training partners who he chose to trust. It's not choose to trust them now. He now knows they're right. Ty Tia is going to be a sponge the next time he gets back into practice, he's going to be gathering information from anybody that wants to talk to him. He now knows that they're right. It's very exciting. It's very exciting where he's at, but there's also some guys that can throw that train right off the tracks. So you got you to plan it just a little bit. You got to look at it just a little bit. And I do think it'd be very wise for Ty to find himself an opponent. That's not the way he works. That's not going to happen. It would be wise to do. Derek is smart enough to do it. And I do believe to keep Derek in that feature spot, the co-mains, the main events, selling out arenas, having attention, getting him a former champion of which not a whole lot exists, get him a former champion who fought on the same card, in the same spot as him, who, by the way, is coming off of win- Andre Orlovsky. I think that the beast needs to get to Andre, the beast, and the Pitbull. He's got to get to Andre before anybody else does. And since there's absolutely no thinkers at heavyweight, since it's a whole big group of Sandhagans, the time's now. The move is yours, Derek. (music) Guys, I asked you a question a week ago, talking about Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier very clearly handed the opportunity to be influenced to you, the audience. Who do you want me to fight next? All right. And then I said, hey guys, is Dustin to the level yet where he gets to be on this this island over with Connor and Masvidal and anybody named Diaz, where he's an absolute star and it doesn't matter what he's doing, it's going to be a mega fight, super fight, sellout, main event, pay-per-view, the whole bit. Is he there yet or does he need specific opponents? I've got the answer. He's there. I did not even realize how big Dustin Poirier is. I'll tell you guys what happened. I was in Houston. Adesanya fights, wildly popular. Tai Tiavasa, possibly the most popular heavyweight of all time, not named Brock Lesnar. Derek Lewis, who's from Houston. There were some big receptions. They even did a cameo through to a couple nerds in the front row that are on, like, the baseball team or something there. People like nerds in Houston. These guys got a good reception nobody even touched is when they threw the camera to Dustin Poirier. Nobody even came close to getting what we call a pop from the crowd. So I went to Instagram. I had to check something out on Dustin. I go to Instagram. Dustin's got three and a half million followers. I did not understand how big Dustin Poirier is. Not to mention he looked great. He had on this. Sh- he had on a shirt that if I could pull it off, I would. I go over to BadGuyInc.com. That's where I get most of. He's wearing like this Versace. It was just perfect, right? And it's not something that Dustin would just wear around. He knew he was going to be on camera. He wanted to stand out. There's a bunch of other famous people there. Everything he did was great. And this crowd went insane for him. Now, on the back end of that, some news on Dustin comes out. It gets told to me, Dustin's fighting Nate Diaz. And I remember the person I was talking to, I said, tell me your source. So they type it into the internet and it pops up and it was somebody real. It was like USA Today or something or a dot com of this degree. So by the time I get back to my hotel, which is only about two hours later, and I can get on my own internet feed, I don't find it. I don't find it anywhere. So I'm going, okay, if that was reported, it appears it was misreported and somebody has taken it down. But then dialogue does start coming in that yes, Diaz, I'm talking about Nate, still wants the fight, Dustin, still interested in doing business, Dustin went a step further to say I'm not really that interested in McGregor. It would look like for right now, with the pieces that we have, that Dustin Poirier's next fight will be with either Conor or Nate. It's looked that way for a number of weeks, but now Dustin's removed Conor, which is just a very smart thing to do. Everyone wants to fight Connor. They all look thirsty. It gives Connor the power. Connor will pretend he wants to fight you until he gets you to say you want to fight him. Then he will dismiss you, tell, it to, uh, tell you to get down and beg him for it. It's just one of those things, but Connor keeps roping people into doing it. And Dustin Poirier, for the first time ever, took himself out of it. Dustin has the right by end of business today to come right back on board. But for now, this is the current landscape. Diaz, go back to Nate. Talking about, yes, I absolutely want to fight him and I want to do it right now. If we're going to fight, if that's what's agreed on, get us in there now. Don't agree that we're all going to fight and then kick the can five months. That's Nate's only request. Nate has been pretty damn easy to work with on this. As long as you can work with that. He doesn't want to wait. He wants a quick turnaround. Oh, okay. We all understand what's going on. But that would also move Dustin into the welterweight class. Very relevant piece to this. If Dustin was going to fight Connor, it would have been at 155. Connor's going 55. Connor's still got title aspirations at 55. But also, when Connor dealt with Dustin uh, the last time it was at 55, you know how important it is for Connor if he's doing redos to redo it exactly the same. Nate will not be at 55. Poirier is going to go up. But what does that mean? Is Poirier now just on this very small island that you guys elevated him to? You guys decided you love him so much, whatever he's doing, whatever crazy shirt he's in, and whatever weight class he goes, you're tuning in if he does that with Nate at 170, does he stay at 170? And is it still just for these wild and fun fights? Or is he settling into the division? Because nothing for me as a fan is as fun as parody. I've never one time closed my eyes and thought, what would happen if Dustin Poirier fought Kamar Usman? I've never thought it because they're both champions at different weight classes. Now all of a sudden you get them together just by example. But you can play that game all day. You can keep putting 70-pounders in there. What would happen with Gilbert Burns? How how would Wonderboy do if he was in there with Dustin Poirier? Is Dustin big enough to do it? It's fun. It's just a really fun thing. So if Dustin's going to go up to 170, let's keep his ass there. Dustin has invited you guys in to his decision-making process. He's even done it on social media. He has said the words... At least meaning, I'm changing the words, but what he meant was, come on, tell me what you want. Let's do this together. I want to make sure that you guys want it, so why don't you guys pick it? I'll listen to you. I want you guys to pin him down. I want you to pin him down at 170. If he, in fact, is going to fight Nate, it's all based on that. But if he goes up to 170 one time, let's encourage him. Put some size on. Hit the gym a little more. Whatever you need to do, so you're comfortable. Let's make one last run, but let's do it with new guys. Let's do it with fresh blood. I felt something when he dismissed Connor. And yes, I want to see Poirier fight Connor. Of course, I do. But I like that round robin, and I like the dismissal of Connor, only because I think that brings us a step closer to making Dustin commit to a new weight class. And how far can he go? That's a big mountain he's climbed at many times. But he will get looked at differently. He will be treated differently. He will be treated better at 170 in terms of opportunity and speed to make it to the highest part of that mountain. Whether he does or not, right? A lot going on there. But he will be treated with more respect and easier path than he will at 55. Believe it or not, but he will. That's just what history says. You change weights, you get a fresh coat of paint. There's nothing quite as effective as a champion changing weight classes to get on the fast track if that's what he wants to do But he's brought you guys in on he wants to hear from you guys. He's listening. So guys do this for me If he goes to 170 for Nate lock him in Not a one night only not a one time not a test or a feel Get the commitment and let's start finding and fantasizing about the biggest matches We want to see as Dustin Poirier makes his way through the welterweight class All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you like and what you dislike. And thank you for the support. I can't say it enough. I'll be back in the near future. But until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you
0: are welcome.